This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, 17 blocks from Madison Square Garden, where I was once. Now we're miles away from that, but I want to bring you a story today. It's uh, summertime, and there's a lot of hype about human trafficking and child trafficking, and I'm grateful that there's so much hype because we rarely get any traction on those issues, and I think those are important issues to discuss. Now, being that there's a big movie right now and a lot of people are paying attention to the issue, I wanted to bring to your attention an interview that I did um, October of last year with somebody who was kidnapped at the age of four years old. And he was brought to a place that he calls a pedophile ranch. He was held captive there for a dozen years. And the end of the story is actually a bright one. So kick back, relax, pull up a chair. Do not miss this. This is an interview that I did with Antonio Salazar Hobson. Check this out. My name is Antonio, Antonio Salazar Hobson. I've written a memoir entitled Antonio Inouye. It's been translated into Spanish. My book is basically about the importance of family love, family reconciliation, Chicano Latino pride, and my profound faith in God. My background is that I'm the 11th of, of 14 migrant children. Wow, small family, huh? Yes, small family. My parents worked the circuit for 45 years. And I was kidnapped in front of my siblings when I was just four years old. My kidnappers were a white couple named John and Sarah Hobson, who lived next door to my family in the Phoenix Projects. But unknown to my my familia was that the Hobsons were pedophiles. After six months of gaining the faith and trust of, of my family, I was kidnapped in front of my siblings at age four. I was sent overnight to California and sexually trafficked for six years. I just want to stop you, and I know this is difficult, but when you talk about being sexually trafficked for six years as a four-year-old, so you're up to 10 years old now, uh, what what were they doing? Were they, like, prostituting you as a boy? And and who were these clients? Uh, Well, well, yes. I mean, I was was, uh, sold uh, to to many people, but most importantly, I was sold to... uh, to a pedophile ranch uh, for three years. And now, I was help us there. understand, what is a pedophile ranch? A pedophile ranch is, uh, there, was, there was a dude ranch in California. It was also uh, a front for pedophiles. And I would be dropped off in uh, the day after school by myself to live the entire summer without, without any protection and to be assaulted by the men. That occurred for three summers in a row through the wow. age of nine I'm sorry. and then yeah and then what happened to me is that um I, you know i i um made a suicide attempt quite frankly and um and you know what what i did is that i tried to kill myself at age nine by hanging um from a shower but the shower broke it saved my life and i felt a powerful connection to god and he became my lifelong passion and daily force. And it's, it's my belief in God that saved me as a child. And it's my relationship with Cesar Chavez who gave me a life to live. When, I, when, he, when he discovered me as a, 
as a migrant, uh, no, as a as a farm worker student uh, in in the Central Valley of California. So, um, uh, so what would be your next question, sir? Yeah, well, I mean, first, I just want to thank you for sharing that with us. I, I realize it's difficult, and I'm sorry you went through all of that stuff, sure. especially as a little kid. So now you're you're 10 years old, and and you've been going through the the ranch, and you've been through this experience. What what happens next? Because I know it it took you 24 years to get back to your family. What okay. was the next well, step? Well, you know, the important thing is that the only reason why I was able to survive was because of of my mother's love for, for me as, as a new child, my mother, Petra Salazar. And she mm-hmm. told me how to love. And if it had not been for her, I would not have had the strength or the commitment or the will to, to, to survive my abuse and, um, and to actually you know, become a, a whole um, person. And so, um, you, know, what, you know, all of a sudden, I, I just felt that I had a force in my life. And in my book, you know, I write extensively about, about that um, maybe God did not want me dead at nine years old, but had a better purpose for me. And, yeah. um, and so, and apparently he did. You know, uh, just in, introducing myself to, to your audience as a grown person, um, I mean, as a young person, actually, two things happened. Um, yes, I was living a life of hell. And, um, and uh, so, you know, what I started farm working at age 12, no, at age 11 and, th- and 12 and 13 and in the Central Valley. And, you know, I met this man, Cesar Chavez, and we were, we were with a bunch of students. And he asked us to join their, their group, the U of W, and I did. And after spending a year with him, Cesar Chavez took me aside at age 16 and told me that, that I was sufficiently talentoso, talented to become a labor lawyer for the, for the labor movement. Mm-hmm. And I'd never had a dream before, but I ran with it. I never looked back. And I've now been a labor attorney for unions, international unions for 35 years and for tribes from California to the Sioux nation for 30 years. And, um, it was Cesar Chavez, quite frankly, who gave me the title of my book, and um, which was, which is of course Antonio. I know you, and I needed to ask Cesar a, a special favor, and if he did not grant me that favor, as a as of as at age 17 when I had completed my sophomore year, um, I would have not have been able to continue my education. And um, the astonishing thing was that it was with. Are, are, you know, the rival union, the UFW, not the UFW, but the Teamsters, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, who were against us. And the, and the only factory in town was a Teamster cannery of 2,400 people. And I had to go ask him, I had to, you know, permission to work there. And I would take any of his decisions that he made upon that request, you know, I would follow it exactly. And he knew that. And when I came in, there were a group of men who just scoffed at me when they heard what I was about to ask, basically. And he just raised his hand and he said, Antonio, we know you. You will always be dedicated to La Causa. And in fact, I have been all my life working with him for 20 years, working with Dolores for 35 years, and then working, you know, on behalf of, of Latinos 
Um, I'm a federal attorney, meaning that I practice in federal court, and um, and I've taken on very large cases and have won them. So, uh, but if he had not said yes, Antonio, you can work there. You don't have to work at minimum wage because you won't be able to save enough money for school. My education would have stopped. But he recognized that I was following him. I had just been in the 1973 strike at the at the uh, Salinas um, Soul UFW Ranch in 1973, and I was a you know I was a very serious studious person and um and when he said yes antonio we know you i'd open up the rest of my life and uh, you know that was an astonishing thing and shaped my life completely all right i'm going to jump in here real quick hope you're enjoying this conversation so far this is a riveting thrilling story it's a harrowing story but it does have a, a brighter ending to it and we're going to get to that momentarily Keep it locked right here. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, so we're having a discussion with Antonio Salazar Hobson, and he's the author of Antonio, We Know You. He's sharing with us his harrowing story. Let us continue. I'm sure there's several lessons of resilience that that Antonio could speak to. And Antonio, I'd love for you to, if you could, um, highlight one of those stories where you said, I need to be strong and how you held on to your faith and, you know, paint that picture for us. Okay. Well, you know, let me just say that, um, you know, I found my, uh, my, my resilience based on persistent hope. Mm-hmm. And it's a hope that came from the initial love that I received from the entire Salazar family. But most important was the overwhelming love I received from my mother, Petra, who embraced me as her mute child. I did not speak until I was three years old. And, um, and so I became a special child, and she just doted on me. And finally, by the age of three, tenderly taught me to speak Spanish. And without that love, I simply could not have had the, had the will to survive, you know, all, all the abuse. You know, I would say that you know, I, I, you know, it, at the outset, that um, it's important to note that that my kidnapping did not just affect me, but my entire family. Mm. Uh, that's what happens when when children are abducted. For example, within ten days of my kidnapping, my enormous family disintegrated and never, never became whole again. My my mother Petra was thrown out by my father uh, within ten days. My brother Rudy, who was a nine-year-old, who was responsible for me that day, was thrown into uh, a, a vicious juvenile hall for nine years because he was deemed responsible, and he was the only one responsible for, for my kidnapping. My eldest sister, Licha, who's now 80, 83, was sent to a convent all within 10 days. And so, uh, you know, you know, it it affects so many children and uh, I mean, so many families. It's just not like a one-shot thing. It goes on for generations, and it lasted within my own family for 24 years, uh, never, never re- reuniting until I returned. And um, so, you know, what 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 I would do is, uh, you know, I never forgot my family. Uh, I, you know, I had an 
really, really strong memory. I had thousands and thousands of, of images of them, and I, and I thought about them every day. And, and I said, that is my family, not where I am here. I am not a white child. I am a Mexican child. I already have my family, and I'm going to find them. Why? Because I'm going to make my mother proud. So it, so was, it was your love that. of family that kept you going. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I spent 24 years searching for them, meaning that I, you know, I was able to escape my family at around age, age 15 when I finished high school. I, you know, and when I talk about the family, I'm talking about, my, you know, my abusers, my right. abusers. And the people insisted that I call them my parents, period. And, and, we're, and I have, you know, no adoption papers. And I want you to know that one of the themes of my of why I talk about my book is, is that I really believe that all abducted children, be they, be they white or children of color, deserve all the services uh, that are associated with finding them. And that particularly white children who get, who get what they deserve, get, read, get local media, regional media, national media, daily press, and a full, full force throttle uh, search by the police to find this white child. In contrast, and it's and once again, you know, we as children of of color receive virtually no resources, and the reason for that is that we are considered uh, ex- essentially disposable because we come from a quote unquote minority society often a language minority society. And in my case, there was no effort uh, uh, that was made by the Phoenix Police Department to find me in two years. They, they did not even run the social, social security numbers of John and Sarah Hobson. Nothing was done. And why was that? Because I was a Mexican. I was a dark-skinned Mexican boy from a poor family that was monolingual, and that made me disposable. And that has made many of us disposable who are not of the majority community. Now, it's important to try to understand that disparity as the historical reasons. It is not a Democrat issue. It is not a Republican issue. It is a human issue. And because it is universal, it occurs, it occurs in our families. These, the stance are that one out of 10 children are abused in this country. Mm, that's so, horrible. You know, and 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 that that's without regard to race, class affiliation, and so the reason why I wrote the book is that I wanted it to be a model of hope for uh, for abused children via my own example because I survived, I survived and I conquered, and I had a lengthy career, and I was able to hold on to a forty-three year marriage, and have two children, Beto and Adelita, God bless and. You. And really, you know, having the strength of my faith surround me. And we are a very faith-dominated family. And my children, my son has spent eight years in the faith community, working there six days a week. All right, we're going to continue with Antonio Salazar Hobson, the author of Antonio, We Know You, straight ahead. This is America. The 45th President, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Mr. Call screener. 
It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We continue our conversation with Antonio Salazar Hobson. Let's pick up where we left off. He was telling us about his family's faith and his son's involvement in the faith community, but I also wanted him to tell us about the activism that he's involved in and how he's helping to prevent uh, this from happening and and working with children who were kidnapped and trafficked. Antonio, uh, tell us more about it. Sure, no, um, you know, I've... um you know, I decided to, to, to be an activist because I needed um, our story within our communities to be told from a Latino perspective. Mm. And I also knew that there were many figures, I mean, many people within our communities that have had these similar experiences and, uh, and that they've never dealt with it. And I, I wrote my book to have a, as a way to have people recognize adults, young adults, uh, you know, people my age as to what occurred in their lives and to find the road to healing. Uh, and, um, you know, what I, what I, you know, want to say is that my book was also written not to be vague about what occurs in child abuse, but instead to recognize in only six pages, the reality of what happens to, to abused children. But the, the, the reason why I became an activist is I wrote the book for three reasons. One is, is to provide a legacy for my family, something which most Latino families do not get. We've built this nation. We feed this nation. We are smart. We work hard. And I wanted, and I wanted uh, my family to, to be known. I wanted to help abuse children through my own uh, example of faith and also uh, to, to show them how to protect their hearts and to believe that, that when they are young adults, they will find love. So again, Great conversation and a riveting story from Antonio Salazar Hobson, author of Antonio, We Know You. This is a a delicate story of of a tender child, four years old, being kidnapped and held for 12 years, escaping. I mean, this is just something I, I want you to send this to as many people as you can, because this is a story that needs to be shared. It's a story people need to hear and need to know because this is really happening. And this is just one success story of one person that got away and was mentored by someone that was successful and was able to develop a a career path and become a lawyer and a big Democrat fundraiser. And just because our politics are different doesn't mean I want this kid to be a sex slave, right? I want no kid to be a sex slave. I would hate for that to happen to anybody. This is America. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. Oh, he's so handsome. What's his name? Rich Valdez. Truly an amazing story. I'm grateful to have done that interview. Antonio's an amazing guy. And let me tell you, this issue of human trafficking, kidnapping, which when I was a kid, it was just like, oh, they kidnap people. Nobody asked why. People just assumed they were doing something bad. But now we know. There's a a brutal industry where kids are taken, trafficked as sex slaves. And we we have to be cognizant of the issues before we can face the issues. Now that we know what's going on, we have to be front and center on these things. And again, I don't know what what all of us can do, but all of us can do something. And that's why I always say, if, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph 
is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So do something because America needs you more now than she's ever needed you before. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.